episode 44 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener and you enjoy the show, we would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you enjoy the content, it would be a big-time help. If you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right, everybody. As of Monday, December 6th, 2021, the Toronto Maple Leafs sit in second place in the Atlantic Division at 17-7-2. They have been on a crazy run over the last... 19 games, 15-3-1. and one. But this past week wasn't the greatest week in Leafs Nation. The Leafs went 1-1-1. One, one and one. So we will go over the week that was and give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that went down with this team, including some other news around the NHL that you're going to want to stay tuned for as well. But before we get to all that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me, Anthony Bruno. It is officially winter in the nation's capital. We got absolutely dumped on. People are shoveling. There's plows. People are getting stuck. It's just awesome. Happy Canada, everyone. Episode 44. Shout out goes to Yannick. No, I'm just joking. Shout out goes to Morgan Riley, who recently signed an extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs. We all love Morgan Riley, and uh, we can debate all day long about some of the moves Brian Burke made while being the general manager of our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs. But one thing he did that we'll all agree on and give an A-plus to was the drafting of Morgan Riley. I was kind of wondered, like, when they were discussing uh, who was going to be captain, just like those, like, marketing vultures, had he been named captain to, like, endorse uh, Captain Morgan Rum. So, oh, that would have been in play for sure. Oh, 100% in play. There would have been billboards, commercials. It would have been at bus stops like him in that pirate costume, just ready to go. But either way, JT's captain. And we love that Morgan Riley is a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we found out recently that he will be for a very long time. Yeah, you got to love Morgan Riley. Do you believe Brian Burke? Because he says this all the time, going back to the draft, how he had Morgan Riley ranked number one in that draft class. Yeah, well, it was. A, I mean, it it was. It a wasn't a draft. good draft. Yeah, was it? Uh, it was Yakupov and then like Ryan Murray. Yeah, and that, like Griffin Reinhardt, I think Reinhardt was in that was draft as well. Yeah, it, it was a weird draft. But the whole thing with Riley, like, did he like blow his MCL or blow his ACL that year? So he barely played. So maybe some teams took it more seriously than others. But I remember yeah, when the but- Leafs drafted him, they talked about that injury, and they kind of like you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. A blown like a blown knee meant the end of your career. Yeah, I'm just looking at the draft now, Lapore. Yakupov, Ryan Murray, Galchenyuk, number three, Griffin yeah, Reinhardt, four, and then Morgan Riley, number five to Toronto. Was there anyone else in like in the big name in the first round that like just slept through? Yeah, just looking at the first round. So Dumba went seventh to Minnesota, okay. Truba went ninth to Winnipeg. I guess the big steal in the first round is Philip Forsberg who went 11th mm. to Washington. Okay. He got traded to, they uh, traded to Nashville, him. obviously. It was it was that Martin Erat deal. 
And I even remember when they made that deal, everyone knew it was a big, everyone's like, why did Washington do that? Like it, everyone knew it was a mistake, but they were just so desperate to like beat Pittsburgh and win now at the time. But I mean, yeah, I guess it, at the end of the day, it all worked out for the Leafs because going through the rest of this first round, I mean, Thomas Hurdles in here, Tavo Teravainen. Okay, hold on. There's some other names here now. Andre <laughs> Vasilevsky. Now you're seeing 19th them. overall to Tampa. Oh, Tampa got Vasilevsky. It's the, the oh, Vasilevsky fell goodness. in their lap. Vasilevsky falls in their lap. Braden Point, third round pick. Kucherov, second round pick. What a joke. I assume Vasilevsky was the first goalie taken at 19. Yeah, just looking at this draft board. Yes, he was wow. the... Uh, Oh, he was the he was one of two goalies taken in the first round. Malcolm Subban Ooh. also went in the first round to the Boston Bruins. After Vas Vasilevsky. After Vasilevsky. So Vasilevsky went 19th and then Subban went 24th. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's not too often though that the top goalie picked ends up being a legit elite goalie. Because I was like, oh, they're so talented. You always hear that, but it just doesn't seem to like work out yeah, it's always hard with goalies and, right it's so much yeah. easier to project forwards and defensemen but with goalies like you just never know you could pick a dude in the first round and they could be a, a total bust yeah at the end of the day, it's about surroundings like i was converging to like the, the college football quarterback it's like if a kid is at a big program and he's got an elite offensive line and elite weapons how do you compare him to a kid who doesn't and same thing with goalies i mean if a kid is just playing on a really strong team, putting up shutouts to save percentages high because he doesn't face a lot of high danger chances. On paper, he's going to look amazing. But then how do you compare him to the guy on a shit team who's getting lit up every night? Yeah, right? it's so almost it, impossible. It's just, it's, it's just difficult, right? All right, buddy. We have uh, we have some news to announce awesome. before. Um, I guess I'll throw that over to you. Sure. Because we have been waiting to give away yes. an authentic Mitch Marner jersey and Lapore. We have some news. We do, have, we do have an update, everyone. For all you who entered, Bruno and I have selected a winner. We messaged uh, that winner on, um, on their Instagram, through their Instagram, but have yet to hear a reply. So if you did enter and you haven't checked your Instagram, please do so and get back to us so we can send you the jersey. Uh, and even if you haven't received a message, keep an eye on your Instagram because, of course, if this individual does not respond, at some point, we're going to have to move on and give the jersey to someone else. So if you did enter, please check your Instagram because you may be a winner of that authentic Mitch Marner Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. And like I said, if you don't have a message, keep an eye on that Instagram because we're going to have to pick another winner. Yeah, you said a Lepore, this jersey has been given away. I mean, we still have the jersey, but there is a yeah. winner. We're waiting for their response. Lepore, hold that thing up. Yeah, still here, waiting Beautiful, to be sent out. Beautiful, number 16, Mitch Marner, authentic Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. So if we do not hear from that winner, then we will obviously have to give the jersey to somebody else. So please check and see if we have messaged you. And once again, thank you to everybody from GFP Nation yeah. for entering the contest. We got a ton of entries on YouTube. It's always fun giving away these jerseys. And like we've said on previous shows, this is not the last time we're going to be giving away a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, so stay tuned for future giveaways. It's going to be awesome. So a big, big thank you to all the supporters out there. Yeah. All right, Lapore. Let's move on to some hockey talk now. Some Toronto Maple Leafs hockey talk. To go over the week that was, 
Like I said, the Leafs won one and one this past week. They started things off Wednesday night at home against the Colorado Avalanche, destroying them eight to three. The the big, mighty Colorado Avalanche, the Stanley Cup betting favorites, getting pumped eight to three. To be fair, Darcy Kemper out with an injury, Jonas Johansson in net. I mean, that, that dude just looks awful. The yeah, Leafs just good. absolutely lit him up. Like, I, I didn't even think the Leafs played, like, a fantastic game. Just seemed like no, every didn't. shot was going in. But yeah. nonetheless, it was a great way to start the week. And then on Saturday night, the Leafs went on the road in Minnesota. They were down 3 nothing, tied the game at 3, but then ended up losing 4-3 in a shootout. It was a very exciting game. It was good to see. Yeah. Toronto battle back through some adversity. And then they closed out the week Sunday night in Winnipeg against the Jets. This game was an absolute shit show. The Leafs went down five to one. And then there was a lot of extracurricular activities in the third period. We'll get to all that. But like I said, the Leafs finished the week one, one, and one. They are second place in the Atlantic division at 17, seven, and two. So Lapore, back over to you. We'll go back to that Avalanche Leaf game. Give me your take on that and just your thoughts on the week that was for the Leafs. Yeah, it's not too often as a Leaf fan, and this is going to sound kind of funny. It's not too often as a Leaf fan that you really and truly enjoy watching a game because I've mentioned before, Leafs fans uh, were pretty open with our insecurities and our nervousness that we have towards this team. But this is what was one of those games where we could just for the most part sit back and enjoy it. And you mentioned uh, the goaltending situation in Colorado. What sucked for them is they couldn't even pull the guy because they had their emergency backup in. They had to call an emergency backup from U of T. So they could, at four, five, six goals, they couldn't pull uh, Johansson out and put him in. So he was just hung, completely hung out to dry by his team. But we'll take it. Uh, let's get to the goals. There was a lot of them. Uh, it was like five minutes in. JT fed Willie for a breakaway, snipe top corner, one nothing Leafs. Soon after, Spezza banged in a rebound. Off a Richie shot, who again hoping that uh, the puck would have went in for Richie, but uh, Spezza is able to uh, clean up the garbage, and then we had uh, Marner with a sweet pass to Austin Matthews, and um, he buried it. So he had a three nothing Leafs lead. Um, I did mention how we really and truly enjoyed this game, and there wasn't too much nervousness, but. God forbid the Leafs get out of the period up three nothing. It was Gerard who scored. I think it was like with one second left. Yeah, the most two. Leafs thing of all time. Getting yeah, so just give you those nerves. One second on the yeah. clock. Just give you those nerves going into the uh, going to the second period, like up three nothing versus up three to one. But I'll ask you, like going back to like that Richie shot that was stopped, and then Spezza banging in the rebound. Like how I would say, like someone offers you a briefcase of a million dollars, if you get this question right. Will Nick Ritchie score a goal this year? Yeah, he better score a goal. For two and a half million dollars? It's getting to that point. It's, it's getting to the point now, Lapore, where he clearly has no confidence. Yeah. Like, he's just hoping that a puck goes in off his skate. At yeah, this or an empty net or, or something. It's yeah. a disaster. But I, I will say, I think he will eventually score a goal. It's got to be weighing on him big time. Like just looking at the numbers real quick. How many shots he, on goal does how many shots on goal does he have? He's got 39 shots on goal. 
in 26 games, zero goals, seven assists. Okay. He's made, like, to be fair to Richie, he has made some nice plays <laughs> that have resulted in goals. But How's that is that? We're talking about, you know, he's made some nice plays. Like, fucking embarrassing, yeah, this, this dude starts the season getting a chance with Matthews and Marner. We all think oh he's, like, God. locked into the top six. He's going to provide grit. He's going to score 20 goals. And now we're just hoping that a puck bounces in off his skate and he scores oh one God. goal this season. Just yeah. a disaster. Horrible. Uh, anyways, hopefully he gets it. I don't. I honestly don't know. Like, let's use it like minus empty netters. I have to think about it if I legit think because like I have I have no confidence in him watching him. Like you mentioned him not having any confidence when I'm watching him, I'm just not expecting it to go in right. But just horrid. As we move to the second period, like I said, Leafs up three to one. Who else but our boy Nazem Kadri? Bangs in. It was very Nazem Kadri goal. Like he was on the ground, just kind of smash it in to make it three to two. But superstar sniper Travis Dermott with the knuckler slopper to get a regain a two goal lead for the Leafs. So it's a four two at that point. Um, we talk about goals often on this show. We talk about like a very Austin Matthews goal, very Mitch Marner goal. Even that first Willie goal was a very Willie Nylander goal coming in from that side, just sniping one. And we talk about JT style goals where it's just about effort and heart and strength and just being a fucking lumberjack. Again, he scored one of those ones to make it 5-2 uh, Leafs. Uh, it was after a point shot. He just won hard to the net, banged her in. Moving on to the third period, it was uh, Marner with uh, that behind-the-back pass to, um, to, uh, to Matthews. I don't know which goal I think was nicer. I mean, the first goal, Matthews made a hell of a move in front of the net. On his second goal, Marner made a hell of a pass. So take your pick on which one you thought was nicer. Um, then Matthews was able to score. He was coming off the wing. That was his third of the game. That made it seven to two. And then you mentioned Johansson having a hard time. Engvall, the goal that made it eight to two, was pretty ugly. Like he just kind of beat him. Like it was a clean shot and beat him. And it's one of those things where when Matthews does it, and it's short side, and I think it even kind of tinged the post. You're like, <laughs> like let, like let the goalie off the hook for that one. But when it's Pierre Engvall and it's like just you and him, no, sorry, man. You, yeah. you can't you're get getting beat. beat clean by Pierre Engvall. You there know it's not your night. <laughs> yeah, there are problems. Like, just pack it up. Yeah. Kadri, of course, of course, makes it uh, 8-3 with a tip. So we had the uh, the two-point night from Jersey uh, last week. We have the two-goal night from Nazem uh, with, of course, his first trip back to uh, to Toronto after his trade. Uh, two goals for him. Way to go, Nas. We're glad you're doing well. Uh, final shot count, 41-31. 41-31 in favor of the Leafs. And they kind of had you mentioned how the Leafs didn't, like the score was worse than the uh, the actual play of the game. The Leafs had the advantage in money puck um, after the 500 simulations, uh, 57% of the time. But I mean, you look at the score and you would have thought it'd be like a 70, 80%. And that just wasn't the case. But uh, to that point, we've talked many times about the Leafs struggles at the beginning of the season and how they weren't able to score goals um, at a rate that matched the scoring chances they were putting up. But since that winning, the, the winning streak, them playing well, those numbers have climbed. And I saw a post that after this game, so after getting eight goals on 41 shots, the Leafs at that point were at average luck. Like they're they're after an eight goal game against Colorado, won 41 shots. 
their goals are fair based on the amount of scoring chances they have. They're not getting overly fortunate and they're not unlucky. They're just par for the course. And to be fair overall, I mean, with the record at that point, it's pretty awesome because a lot of the time you see these teams with unbelievable records and then you look at their underlying numbers and it's like, no, just a lot's going in for them right now. They're going to slow down. So for the Leafs to be on that tear and for the numbers to say, no, they totally deserve it. They're just getting average luck is very positive. Yeah. It was regression to the mean, right? Like it was regression to the mean playing out before our eyes because this team, you see it all over Twitter. You can go check the stats yourself. You know, they were first in the league and, in shot attempts, in scoring chances, in slot chances, go down the list. This is a team that was playing like a top five offense in the league, but for whatever reason was scoring like a bottom five offense in the league. The Leafs, about two to three weeks ago, Lepore, were 26th in the league in goals against per game. So now, it's crazy. crazy. But after this recent tear they've been on, they've gone from 26th in the league in goals per game to 13th. So they're now averaging over three goals a game, man. It's it's more it's more on on course with what we've been used to with this team in terms of their goal scoring talent. And I'm just looking yeah. at the Austin Matthews era. I've mentioned this on another podcast, but you go back over the last five years. Here's where the Leafs have finished in goals per game: sixth, third, fourth, third, and fifth over the last five seasons. So this team has not been worse than sixth in the NHL just in pure goals per game. You could look at some other offensive metrics if you want, but just in terms of goals per game, they've been elite over the last five seasons. And we're finally starting to see that normalize over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. They must be at the top of the league or near the top of the league. And based on math, they are at least near the top of the league, but if they've been the number one team after their first five or six games or whatever it was, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Oh yeah. They're they're still, Right now, Lepore, so it's still going back to that run that I talked about. This 15-3-1 run, they have the best record in the league since October 27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that span, fifth in goals per game, second oh, okay. in goals against per game, and the number one power play in the NHL. I was going to say, like, I, I haven't taken the time to actually look at the power play numbers, but it seems like we're just scoring on the power play all the time. Like, oh, yeah, power play. I think even, that like, narrative now, nice like, going back to last season when it was a complete dumpster fire the last two months of the season... Mm-hmm. And even to start this year, the power play wasn't great, but now they're they're humming along, man. In terms yeah. of where they are just over the full season, they're fifth, they have the fifth best power play in the NHL. Nice. Over 25%. And like I said, since October 27th on this 15-3-1 run, they're first in the NHL at over a 30% clip on nice. the power play. Even in the at the individual basis, like Matthews, his numbers and his shooting percentage, like how bad it was at the beginning. Like it seems like now he's scoring every game. He had that three goal night. Do you have it in front of you where his shooting percentage sits right now? So I mean, shooting it's percentage right now, it's got to be climbing towards like kind of what's normal. It is for climbing. Him. He's at fourteen point four percent. Yeah, and did you say in a previous show he's always around like fifteen? Yeah, his career average, I believe, is is over fifteen. Okay, let me pull it up right now, Lapore. Yeah, his career average over, sorry, Lepore, over 16%. Okay. Matthew's career average. Well, I guess it's gone up because of, you know, Lately. he was he was shooting at like 7% over the first, whatever, 15 to 18 games. And he's been on a tear. He's got eight goals in his last six games. So his career shooting percentage, 16.1. 
and now sitting at 14.4. He's got 15 goals in 23 games, and you just knew the avalanche was coming. And I know yeah. they just beat the avalanche. Nice one. <laughs> but nice one. You just you knew it was coming because this dude was – I mean, I, I mentioned this. I said this on Twitter. I said this on the podcast. Watching this guy game in and game out, I go, there, there, there can't be a, a more unlucky player in the league right now. I mean, yeah. this dude is getting scoring chance after scoring chance. The same with Marner, and nothing was going in. Yeah, it was and now getting comical. It's, it's completely flipped where it's like almost everything is going in for him right now. And this is what happens when you're this good and you're one of the best goal scorers in the world. It's time for a quick break for a word about my bookie. When we gamble here on the GFP podcast, we're always looking for a way to get an edge. But at my bookie, they double your first deposit so you start with a leg up. Use the promo code GFP to sign up now, claim your first deposit bonus with my bookie, and use the extra funds to kickstart your winning season. Lapore, we like to make some money and yeah. we like using my bookie. Yeah, why not? I mean, many of us like to lay an occasional bet for some fun. So as Bruno mentioned, there is the top up from my bookie. They will double your first deposit. So the only thing better than betting your own money is betting somebody else's money. Give it a go, everyone. You can't beat that. Anytime you can bet with somebody else's money, yeah. you're winning. So whether All you're right. betting on hockey or the NFL this weekend, be sure to go to my bookie and use the promo code GFP to claim your first deposit bonus and kickstart your winning season. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. It's the holiday season and you don't know what to get as a gift or stocking stuffer? Well, Manscaped has you covered. Manscaped is the leader in men's below the waist grooming and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code GFP20. Lapore, you can't say enough about these amazing products. No, you can't, Bruno. And there are just certain things in life that go together perfectly, like peanut butter and jelly, burgers and fries, Wayne and Mario in the 87 Canada Cup. But this Christmas, added to the list, with the body wash and the two-in-one, these things are awesome. They both smell great. They feel amazing. And like I said, they go perfectly together. So why not shove it in one of your loved ones' stockings? Love it, Lepore. The body wash and shampoo. You can't go wrong. You got the Lawnmower 4.0. So many more awesome products. All you got to do is head to manscaped.com and use the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. So go there, get those gifts for the men in your life who need it most and use the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. To this point, Bruno, of beating the Colorado, the Colorado Avalanche the way we did, as you mentioned, the betting favorite to win the Stanley Cup. You also mentioned where the Leafs rank in a ton of NHL categories, very high near the top or at the top in pretty well every relevant category. Last season, the Toronto Maple Leafs did something very excruciating to all their fans uh, in the playoffs, blowing a three to one lead to the Montreal Canadiens. But based on this start, okay, based on this start to the season, we're what, like a third of the way through? Um, no, actually, well, not even. Are we third of the way through? How many games we're do we close. play? We're, we're close. We're getting there. Games. Okay, so at that point, or at this point, I should say, is it time 
for us to forgive the Toronto Maple Leafs because of all this positive they've given us during this first third of the season? It is absolutely time to forgive the Toronto Maple Leafs, Lepore. And it's because I don't want to be one of those fans who's just pissed off all the time. I think it's become cool in a way to just be pissed off at the Leafs all the time and to always be mad at something. Yeah, 100%. It's like no matter what this team does, like, for example, over this past stretch where they've been so good defensively, we're getting mad at them for not scoring enough goals. And then when it's flipped the other way, they're scoring all these goals and they're not as tight defensively. We're saying they suck defensively and they got to get another defenseman and they got to figure out the goaltending situation. And I don't, I'm not just talking about us on this podcast. I'm talking about Leafs fans and Leafs nation in general. There's always something that fans are getting pissed off about. But when mm-hmm. you go back over the last two seasons, this is now one of the best teams in the NHL. The five best teams in the league over the last two years Florida's number one, just in terms of points percentage, Carolina, number two, Colorado, Washington, and Toronto. Those are the top five teams in the NHL. So over the last how long? Over the last two seasons. Okay. Since the start of last season. Okay. The Leafs have been a top five team in the league. And I know you can say, Bruno, no one cares. This team choked in the playoffs until they proved in the playoffs. Then we don't care. But you gotta, you gotta live in the moment. Don't be that person who's walking around, who's negative all the time, who wants to hate on the Leafs all the time. Enjoy what's happening right now. Enjoy how well this team is playing, especially defensively, because we've talked about this on you know, the last two to three shows now. They're one of the best defensive teams in the NHL at this point, and that's something that we haven't seen, Lapore in a very, very long time. Okay, yeah. just to bring up their defensive numbers real quick, Right now, the Leafs third in the NHL in goals against per game. So this is a all-around complete unit that is on an absolute tear right now. Jack Campbell is playing like a Vesna Trophy winner. He's been one of the top three goalies in the league. I mean, you go down the list. I mean, other than Nick Ritchie, who still doesn't have a goal. The Leafs are getting contributions throughout the entire lineup. I think Leaf fans have to enjoy what's happening. And when the playoffs come... We can deal with it at that point, you know, if because they're probably going to end up in a, in a battle in the first round. Let's say they finish second in the Atlantic division and they got to play Tampa in the first round or Boston in the first round. Like people are going to be scared. People are going to be worried. People are going to be pissed off that they didn't, you know, hopefully they can get the number one seed and play a wild card in the first round. But in, until we get to that point, Lapore, I think we need to enjoy what's happening and just enjoy the ride and enjoy the growth of this team becoming the well-rounded team that they have now become. Yeah, uh, I get all that, Bruno, but uh, I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. Because as the, the, more, the more we roll into the season and the better the team looks, I'll say it, it's just setting it up to be even more devastating than, than last year. So they, they got to show me. Like at the end of the day, they have to show me they can do it to fully achieve forgiveness from me. Now it, it's funny because I would like fans are hilarious all the time. So I always point to like, okay, different certain teams have deficiencies and, or certain there's different teams have different things you can make fun of, whether it's like how they're run or certain characters on their team, their own or whatever. But I, I'm always like kind of confused. Or I guess it's fandom when you point something out to uh, a fan 
of a certain team and they deny it. And it's like, no, it's okay. It's, it's okay to say, yeah, like this guy's a, this guy's an asshole or we don't have goaltending or I hate our coach or I hate our ownership group or our management and they deny and uh, they make excuses. So if there is the one thing I'll, I'll say an opposing fan could point to you with the Toronto Maple Leafs, they would say, yeah, well, they got to win in the playoffs. And to that, I would say, yes, they do. Like I I'd fully agree. So because of that, I have not forgiven them. I have not forgiven them and I won't until they can show me in the playoffs. And to be honest, my standard is more than winning a round. Like if this team wins a round and then blows it in the second round against still the team, a they, should, they should be, it's still a disappointment. Like, and like, I will say it. And again, I will say, call me a homer if you want. So if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, watching the style of play that the Leafs were playing last year, I would have said, if someone would have asked me, does this team have a chance to win the Stanley Cup? I would have said, they have a chance, but like, but things ha- are going to have to go their way. Like if I was do if I was doing the, uh, the bracket and had the meeting Tampa, I would have picked Tampa. Like I really and truly would have picked Tampa. I would have said a lot has to go Toronto's way to beat last year's Tampa Bay lightning team this year. I think they can, I think they can win. And that, and that's based on their style. Like, like referring to again, last year, there are teams like Tampa that I would have been surprised if Toronto beat. I will say it. There is no one. There is no one. I will be surprised if the Leafs beat. And funny how it all ties into this because it sets up for even more disappointment. But to that, the reason why I have this feeling is because of their style of play. And you mentioned the defensive play and even just watching them. And a word like I, I like, or a word that's often used in hockey is, is when a team's playing tight. And it's kind of a simple word, but with that one word, you know what it means. Like when you watch this team, everything just looks in sync and connecting and it's a real team. And that's how I feel when I watch the Leafs this season. See, last season, it was more just like of a complete like scoring juggernaut, like talent machine, right? But then, you know, you sense, you still sense those vulnerabilities. Whereas this year with the depth, with the style of play, and like I said, how tight they look when you watch their games, this year, I really and truly think that I think this team can win the Stanley Cup. But again, to the reason why we're having this conversation, it all sets it up for more disappointment and to get even angrier, angrier at them. So for that reason, at this point, I refuse to forgive the Toronto Maple Leafs for what they did to me. That's fair, Lepore, because just thinking back to that playoff series against the Habs, it was a it was like the most emotionally pissed off I think I've ever been watching the Leafs. Oh, it was gross, bro. Like, and we all knew it was happening. We saw it happening. We knew it. It's like to not torturous. get through that shitty Montreal Canadiens team, which you're seeing yeah. now is just a complete train wreck. They've, you know, they essentially have to rebuild that entire organization from the top down. And I know they still have some young players, some core players that they're hoping are going to be a part of that team moving forward. But to be up three to one and to lose to that team, Laporte, there will be no words. Okay. If the Leafs end up losing in the first round again this season, based on the way they're playing right now, th- there will be no words. Like, I think Leafs Nation, there's a lot of fans who've already said, screw this. I'm never coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, all until they win a playoff round, until they do anything in the playoffs, I'm not coming back. Can you imagine they lose in the first round again? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to 
throw that into the universe and I don't want to throw out bad vibes or anything like that. But now that we're finally seeing them play complete hockey, offensively, defensively, goaltending wise, if they find a way to blow it in the first round again, Fold the I mean, there, there are just no fold the, fr- fold the franchise. Like, oh my God. Because at that point, it's like, what do you even do? Yeah, what exactly. What do you even do? You're a complete team across the board. Well-oiled machine, like you said. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the Leafs play this in sync across the board since I've been watching hockey and since yeah. I've been watching this team. Like, I even going back to those Sun Dean teams that made some deep playoff runs, like, I've no, never they seen weren't the this Leafs good played this well across the board. Yeah, they weren't this good. It's but funny it's like because said, it's it's just it's setting up for a potential colossal disappointment again. If it does happen, we're getting deep into this. It would kind of be like I'm trying to find the right word here. It'd be like the first time ever that like this would really happen because people always point to certain teams and say, "Oh, they're soft or whatever." But if you look at the history of hockey, everyone at some point broke through. Like even like being from Ottawa, like everyone always like ragged the Sens. Oh, they were losing to Buffalo. They were losing to Toronto. They can't get out of the first round. Eventually, they made a conference final. They made a Stanley Cup final. People make fun of San Jose. Oh, they never got it done. Yeah, they never got it done. But they did make a final. They made it. How many conference finals did like did that San Jose team team make? Like they did break through. And add it to add it to the list of other teams, Washington. Oh, they'll never get St. past Louis. St. Louis. They'll never beat Chicago or whatever. It's like these teams eventually got through. And even if they didn't make the list of teams that you know people poked holes at and made fun of, even if they didn't win at all, no other team really comes to mind for me that a team that legit just couldn't get out of the first round, like like an elite team that couldn't get out of the first round because eventually the team broke through. So it would be unprecedented. Like it'd be friggin' brutal. It'd be brutal. But I mean. Here we are bringing up negativity on uh, <laughs> about our team on the podcast. Yeah, as, Lepore, as well as I, sa- I said I wasn't going to be one of those fans who was going to be a negative Nancy and bring up all these things and throw out these bad vibes and be pissed off at the team. So I think we should just move on to the yeah, next game on. before this gets too negative and before we start trashing the Leafs even more. But we'll deal with that come playoff time, all right? Speaking of moving on, we do have an update here. The NHL Department of Player Safety has given Jason Spezza an in-person hearing, meaning that there is the option to suspend him for more than five games for what he he pulled in that game last night. Uh, Neil Pionk will have a phone hearing, and Wayne Simmons has been fined $2,250. So there you go. Wait on pins and needles to see what happens to Spezza. And we'll get into that later in the podcast. Lepore is obviously referring to the gong show of a game on Sunday night between the Leafs and Jets, there was a ton going on. Jason Spezza was basically like a free safety coming over the middle, drilling yeah, a oh wide receiver, God. knee Didn't to the head of Spets. Neil Pionk. So that's what that news is referring to. But we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Lapore, before we talk about that game, let's circle back to the wild game on Saturday night. Leafs yeah, great game. lose 4-3 in a shootout. Mitch Marner was out with an injury after colliding with Jake Muzzin in practice. He ended up sitting out the Sunday game against the Jets as well. The Leafs are saying it's precautionary, so I don't think anyone needs to freak out, but it is a little bit concerning that this happened during practice, and I don't know, I'm sure you saw the video, but for those of you who haven't seen the video on Twitter, 
Matthews or Matthews, Marner and Muzzin were getting into it a little bit at practice. Marner seemed pissed off with what Muzzin did. There's not, I haven't seen actual video of the, of the collision or what actually happened, but you, you just see the video that does exist out there. You see Marner getting up off the ice a little gingerly trying to shake it off. He's skating around slowly. Then he approaches Muzzin. They start going back and forth. So hopefully he's okay. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is there's no Mitch Marner in the lineup. The Leafs go down three, nothing in the first period, but they find a way to battle back tie the game at three. They eventually lose in a shootout, but it was good to see them come back and deal with all that adversity and to get that point, um, especially without Marner in the lineup. Yeah. And that's a good Minnesota team. It's definitely a good Minnesota team. Uh, Well, we'll run through it. Um, It was a pretty uneventful first period. And I got to be honest, I was going to this game kind of expecting a lot of chaos. When you have a good Minnesota team, like I said, they're building like hyper hyper building like i that's a tough place to play oh man bucket list thing to do i want to go see a go see a game in minnesota Uh, like i said now a lot happened in the first period very very late uh greenwood scored if i remember correctly i think it went off the post just came to him he popped it in so one nothing minnesota after a period um the leafs got some chances early in the second uh on a power play a couple good shots a couple good looks matthews uh, put one off the crossbar. So, I mean, God forbid it would have went in, but we move on. Zuccarello scores a goal. One of my favorite players. I love that guy. He was, I think he was centering it. It goes off hall and in. So yeah, again, why not? So many so weird two nothing minutes. This game oh, this game was hilarious. So two nothing at that point. And then the third one, just a total kick in the nuts. The puck went, I don't know what it went off of, but it was heading to the corner and then it hit the ref. And because it hit the ref, it just fell perfectly uh, for Felino, who had an easy goal, just shot it right in. So three nothing leaves after a couple of bullshit bounces, but it's hockey and it's a sport we love, even though it makes no sense. So we move on. Uh, the hockey gods helped us out a little bit, made things a little more even. Spezza scored a goal from I think it was like the corner. Was he, he was below the goal line? If yeah, I remember, another correctly. insane bounce. And it just went, it went off, off like Cam Talbot's head, and yeah. in. it was just bizarre. The yeah. Leafs will take and it. Then, absolutely. We'll, we don't get many of those throughout the course of a season, so we'll take it when they come. Uh, a little later, Spezza scored on a clapper on the power play to make it 3-2. to two. And then the tying goal, Austin Matthews from Jason Spezza. And uh, that was the Leafs' third goal in just about six minutes to tie the game at three and set up a great third period, or what we hope would be a great third period. But I will say, so here you have Spezza. Like one goal was bullshit, but he had two goals and a helper in a six-minute span to uh, tie the game at three for the Leafs. See, I think I'm like a lot of Leafs fans in the way that like I have the section of my closet for jerseys. And you have like that section that I don't want to call it like a row of shame. And for some people, they have some that it is a row of shame. But you have this row of jerseys that are just kind of like, maybe I shouldn't have got that one or like it brings negative thoughts to your mind of like what could have been or how that guy never worked out or how he left Toronto. So like, I will say it right now. I will say it. I have an Austin Matthews Jersey. I have a Mitch Marner Jersey. I have a William Nylander Jersey and I have a John Tavares Jersey. My most recent Leafs Jersey purchase was a Jason Spezza Jersey. And I think if I did like a power rankings of 
fast forward five to 10 years, which Jersey purchase has like, will potentially have the least regret that Spezza Jersey maybe may go in at number one, just because what could happen? Like I, I don't see a situation occurring where I will be disappointed with that purchase. Cause it's, it's all been positive from Jason Spezza and least fans just be ecstatic to have them to be fair. Like imagine having a 38 year old who plays 11 minutes per game on the fourth line who can just say, you know what? Screw it. My team's down three, nothing. I'm going to put the squad on my back for a period and bring us back in the game. And obviously it wasn't all Jason Spezza. Austin Matthews scored one of those three goals, but this dude just continues to amaze me making league minimum playing here, essentially for the love of the game. And because he really wants to win a Stanley cup in Toronto, like this guy can easily go somewhere else and probably make at least two to $3 million a year. Even beyond that, Bruno, he could literally think of this off season. He could have went to any team he wanted. Any team would take Jason Spezza at league minimum. Especially after how he played last season. That's my point. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. No brainer. Like, so, I mean, th- to have this dude in a depth role on this team, and, and you saw over the last couple of games, especially with Marner out, Keith actually gave Spezza an opportunity to play with Matthews. Mm. You know, it wasn't, a, yeah. it wasn't a, a, you know, like he was playing 20 minutes a game with Matthews, but he got some looks on, on that top line. But it's just, it, what a luxury to have that guy in the bottom six who can play in any situation. He replaced Marner on the first power play unit. I mean, he just does so many things. And Lapore, honestly, man, that might be number one on the Jersey power rankings in 10 yeah, years. Because player, it's impossible man. not to like that guy. It really, no. it's, it's, it's impossible. Like, I, you know, I literally love Jason Spezza. Yeah. That's it. I'm just going to say it. I love the guy. There, there was some drama here in Ottawa last year because Ian Mendez, who uh, is from this area, and uh, he now writes for The Athletic. Uh, he put out I don't know if it was a tweet or it was in some article, but he said... If I'm cheering for a team, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs because I'd love to see Jason Spezza win a Stanley Cup. And of course, Sens fans went crazy. Like you had a Sens reporter saying that they want to see the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. So there was all this drama. But like to the point you made, it goes to show how likable of a guy he is and how respected he is around the league and with the media. And just awesome, man. Awesome guy to have. But uh, let's move on from Spets. Uh, third period, similar to the first, kind of uneventful, um, except for actually early on, early on, uh, Nylander, Nylander had a chance at the side of the net and he put it wide, like very unwilly, like, like he was on his forehand too. Like one of those ones where if you took an image of it right before he shot it, you would have bet your house that he was going to score and he just put it wide. Uh, the rest of the period was kind of stale until Felino, with very little time left came in on goal and totally ran Jack Campbell. Now, the fact that this was not goalie interference was absolutely ridiculous. And people know on this show that I don't often chirp refs because I'm one of those guys who thinks, well, sometimes you get calls, sometimes you don't. And things even out. And you look at the numbers in the NHL, they do even out. But this one was just so blatant and stupid that like, I have to point to it. I have to point to it. Like there's certain calls you can say, oh, I think the referee probably saw this. Like the stick was parallel. Maybe he thought the hook looked much worse than it actually was. Or the player say, you know, tripped on something and a, a, a stick barely touched his foot. So the guy went down, it's a tripping penalty, which is bullshit. But in this case, 
what were you watching? Like, what were you watching? Like, I'll, I'll sometimes look at a play and say, that would say like a high sticking or a hooking. It, I'll say, let's say they were making like the Hockey Canada DVD. Yeah, that's our show as old I am, DVD for, uh, for referees to show them, okay, this is a hook. This is a trip. This is charging. You could have shown me that one. And I would have said, that's perfect for the DVD for what is goalie interference. There's some guy just running the goalie. So absolutely ridiculous. And like, let's just call it how it is. Like the league wants to protect goalies. So what? Like yeah, what, that was an the, egregious non-call. Like, especially what, 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 since no one pushed Felino into Campbell. Exactly. He just went into, into Campbell by himself. Full speed. Full, Full speed. speed. I'm just going to barrel him. Lays him out. Hits him right in the head. Like that was just. That's like the last thing you want to happen to any goalie in the NHL. Yeah. Like yeah. you're you're watching that back, you're watching the replay and you're just cringing. Going like, "Oh my god. How the hell did they allow this to happen? How the hell did they allow Felino to get away without a penalty?" So that was just it was egregious. There's really no yeah. other way to put it. And to be honest, how the hell did Campbell not get seriously hurt? Uh, like, like he got him good, but Yeah, that was my brutal. first reaction too is like, "Here we go." Campbell out with yeah. a concussion now, having a Vesna season. Yeah. So thank God he's all right. But yeah, just a just a brutal, brutal non-call. Yeah, and like I said, like I hate pointing to refs, but when it's that when it's that bad, I'm gonna point to them. Uh, the overtime, no one was able to score. Uh, the Leafs had a power play, but uh, couldn't convert. Moved on to the shootout. Uh, Kasha missed. Matthew scored, but the pressure was on Willie after Zuccarello and Kirill Kaprizov, who's just like I said, Zuccarello is one of my favorite players. Like Kaprizov's incredible to He's watch. He's scary, eh? And like that, that confidence, like the balls to do that move, just whoop, like on the forehand over the goalie shoulder. Like what a goal. What a so great sick. play. So the pressure was on Willie to score and he couldn't do it. So the Leafs lose. I think it was their first shootout of the season, right? Yeah, it was, it was the first shootout of the season. So Leafs get a point in Minnesota. Final shot count, 42-40. Favor the Leafs. And Money Puck had the Leafs winning that game 54% of the time based on their simulations. Yeah, just talking about uh, Kirill Kaprizov for a second. My God, when that guy comes into the zone with speed and that shot that he has, mm. oh my goodness. He's a hell of a player. And we missed out on him because he was in the KHL for a period of time before coming over to Minnesota last season. And now obviously he signed his big contract with the wild, but that dude is electric and they showed a, a slow-mo replay it was late in the third. It may have even been an overtime where he just missed the top corner by like an inch. I remember that. Yeah, and it yeah. went by the post. And I, when I first saw it in real time, I'm like, Oh, he missed the net by like three feet. And then it just goes right by the post and I'm watching that slow-mo and I'm like, oh my God. So that dude is, he's awesome. The Minnesota Wild are in really good hands with uh, Kaprizov. And they got a bunch of other good players as well. Like you mentioned, Zuccarello, yeah. even Marcus Foligno, as bad as that play was, he's actually emerged into a pretty good player for the Minnesota Wild. So Bialapore, like I said before, it was just really great to see the Leafs battle through adversity on the road in that building against a team that came into the game as sitting first place in the Central Division. And I believe the Minnesota Wild still lead the Central Division. Yes, they do. By seven points. Oof. They lead the Central by seven points over Winnipeg and St. Louis. Colorado currently sitting fifth in the Central. They have three games in hand, though, on all those teams ahead of them but 
that's a tough building to play in without Mitch Marner. The lines were all juggled. You had Spezza playing with Matthews at one point, Spets on the first power play unit. The bottom six had to be juggled as well. So it was good to see the Leafs actually get a point. And you know what, Laporte? People like to, to bash on this team and you know, saying that they're, they're soft and they don't have heart and things like that. But this team doesn't give up. We've seen now multiple times this season. Now, throw away some of the shit at the beginning of the season, like the 7-1 loss to Pittsburgh. But this team, when they're down, they do not give up. And I think this game against the Wild was a perfect example of that. Yeah, no, 100%. Is it time to ask, Bruno, are the Minnesota Wild a juggernaut? Man, they're a really good team. They're, they're another team. You look at them across the board. They're, they're kind of like the Leafs. They're, they're a really good offensive team. They're great defensively. They're getting good goaltending. Yeah. That team's going to be an issue come playoff yeah. time. Yeah, it makes, you wonder, a- it makes you wonder how close they were if they seriously considered the Eichel deal. Oh man, can you imagine Jack Eichel on this wild team? No, that's probably the Stanley Cup favorite. Like if you oh, just insert geez. Eichel, not seeing what they would have had to give had to have given up, but yeah, it's just that's I guess a healthy division, Eichel. The central division's kind of weird because like Colorado's dealt with a lot of injuries, and you know, McKinnon was out for three weeks, and I think they had some COVID cases as well. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, the Avalanche were like the overwhelming favorite to not only win the central division but they were the favorite to win the Stanley cup. And I, I believe on, on a lot of books, the avalanche are still the favorite to win the Stanley cup. I know the Leafs have, have climbed very high on those rankings as well. So you would think that as the season goes on, that maybe Minnesota is going to get caught by one of these teams. Even Winnipeg, I think is, is a, is a solid team as well. And then yeah, they are also has an outside chance to win that division, but this wild team across the board, a team that historically has been known for defense. They're a team that's now scoring a lot of goals. So that that's a that's a that's pretty pretty close to a juggernaut in terms of just the context of this season, at least. I like it, Bruno. I so, like it. Shall we move on to the I said I said I made a point during this podcast while talking about games to be like, oh, there was this was kind of uneventful. This uh this Jets game that we'll touch on now was anything but uneventful. A lot happened, both in the way of goals and drama, so let's get to it. Uh, Jets score early. Uh, it was PLD, Pierre-Luc Dubois, able to bang one in. Good to see him healthy and happy and playing well um, after what he went through last year. So one nothing Jets. Um, a little after that, uh, I think it was after it was after a turnover where the, uh, the Jets – um, gave the puck up. Willie got a stick on it and he gave it to uh, Tavares for a breakaway, but he was unable to score. So uh, one of those things, right? Like that goes in, the game turns on its head, but still one nothing Jets. Uh, but the Leafs actually were able to tie the game. It was Mikey B, as we referred to last week. It uh, It's become a thing. Michael Bunting ties the game at one on that Leafs strong power play after a pass from Engvall. So Leafs go into the second period tied at one. But the second period was all Jets. Uh, um, Cobb scored and uh, after uh, a nice long pass, two to one. Sveshnikov on a two on one, three to one. Connor with a great shot, four to one. And then Cobb to Ehlers, five one Jets at that point. Now, like, like from this game, we, we talked about it last week, like the goaltending the Leafs were getting. And you had pointed out previously that you don't have a lot of confidence in, uh, in Joseph wall based on like his performances in the AHL. I think th- this game kind of showed 
I'll say what he is, but looking back at the goals, like none of them were bad, but kind of how I referred to, I think it was last week as well, talking about this team getting the save. It's yeah, none of them were that bad. But when you look at the totality of the goals that he let in, it's like, you couldn't have saved one or two of those like, and bailed us out or again, not that he was awful, not to yeah, be hard on the kid, but save when the Leafs needed it. Yeah. The, I was just going to say the Leafs could have used a save. Um, the Leafs did uh, get two goals back before the start of the third period. Um, Matthews scored on a five on three. And then shortly after, still on that same power play, again, this power play, Kasha scored an ugly one from uh, just over the goal line that found its way in. So we have a hockey game, 5-3 going into the third. But uh, Shifley took a long pass. He uh, uh, split the D through the middle of the ice and was able to, to score one. And the camera went on uh, went on Keefe's face, and he was disgusted with like the team allowing that goal. Uh, Shifley had a slow start to the season. He's picking it up lately. And I want to ask you about that, like, so we, we did our, our team Canada's uh, before the season started. Like once they said, okay, the NHLers at that point anyway are going to the Olympics. And we both had Shifley. If I remember correctly, we both put Shifley as a lock. And you see how this team or the, the guys on the, you know, everyone's team Canada list, like how these seasons have unfolded. It sounds, it kind of sounds like a stupid question, but how relevant is the performance of the player this season compared like in relation to them making the team. And obviously it matters, but I'm just saying like guys, when they make these teams get the benefit of the doubt, how much of the benefit of the doubt should they be getting? Cause if you remember, man, like when this team, when Canada was shit kicked in Torino, there was a lot of that. Like they, they picked a team based on names, not necessarily guys who were playing really well. Like I remember two names that jump out. I remember Mark Savard. And Paul Correa were both not on the team. And they were like at the top of the NHL's uh, scoring race or near the top, I should say. So fingers were pointed after the team, after the team went out. So you look at guys, I see it like a Shifley and, and it's, it's a take, like even Crosby and Crosby's going to be on the team, but he hasn't had a good start to his season. So like, I'll just focus on Shifley, like, like at this point, based on the name, but also based on the way he's played so far and he might pick it up and start lining it up like should he still be pretty well a slam dunk on the team here's where i stand on on this whole conversation laporte because you bring up a great point it's like how much should the way the players are playing right now in this season matter in terms of whether they make the team or not i think it's going to matter more than it should oh okay because yeah shifley's off was off to a terrible start he had eight points over his first 16 games, two goals in his first 16 games. But then over the weekend, gets a hat trick, had a four-point night, a two-point night against the Leafs on Sunday. So all of a sudden, his numbers look a lot better. I still think looking at who Team Canada has down the middle, I don't think Shifley's a lock, especially mm -hmm. based on how he's played this season. And maybe that's unfair because you would think Shifley would be penciled in onto team Canada, especially in like a fourth line role, or at least as like the 13th forward. So it's nice to see him actually pick it up because I think when Shifley's playing well, he's one of the best offensive producers in the league. I mean, just yeah. go look at the, the numbers over the last five, six seasons. He's like top 10 in the league in terms of just straight points over the last five, six years. But I think people also get carried away. For example, like looking at Zach Hyman, and him playing with Connor oh McDavid. 
Yeah. You know, that, that conversation's not going to end. Should Zach Hyman be on the Canadian Olympic team? Kind of like how Chris Kunitz made the team in uh, 2014 as, as Sidney Crosby's line mate. And then, you know, you look at a guy also like Matt Barzell. I was going to mention his name, in. bad start. Yeah. I had him penciled into the top six Yeah, with his speed and his explosiveness. And he's been terrible to start the season. But then you think, okay, hold on. How would if we put Matt Barzell on the wing with Connor McDavid? Would he have more than whatever, eight or 10 points, whatever he has this season? He's had a bad year, right? So I think you also got to think about it like that. It's like, if we remove this player from the current situation they're in now on their bad team, and we play them with Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon or Mitch Marner, would that change the way that we look at that player? Probably. So I, I don't think, and I, I, I hate because I'm already picturing it now. I think there, there's going to be a couple questionable decisions based on how players are playing right now. And there's probably going to be a couple of guys who are left off team Canada who probably should be on team Canada. And I think it's important to take a step back and realize, okay, we're going to put them on this team with the best players in the world. And even if they're not off to a great start, they should probably be on this roster. So going back to Shifley, I think he should probably make the team, but I'm going to tell you right now, Lepore, he's, he's a bubble guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's like the 13th forward. Yeah. Like one thing, and I'll put it this way. Like one thing you don't want to see them do is like get cute with it. Like you mentioned like a high in like, like remember 98, they like in 1998, like the famous Nagano shootout loss. Uh, like they brought Rob Zaminer, but left off like Mark Messier. It's like, and again, Messier was later in his career, but still in that moment of a short tournament, no, you want Mark Messier. Uh, there's been other ones, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. I just, I don't know. I, I find team Canada is pretty like grounded usually like when they make these teams, but I'm with you. Like, I, I just hope that, Let's say they call them like these hot take picks or these cute picks, but I, I just hope it doesn't go that way. But anyways, yeah, it, uh, it better not. Like I, I, as much as I love Zach Hyman, if he's taking up the spot of like, you know, for example, like a Matt Barzell or a more explosive player, then I'm probably going to be pissed off. So yeah, no, I hope absolutely. Canada doesn't overthink anything. Yeah, after that goal, um, I mean, the game is pretty well wrapped up. It was six three. Uh, Jets at that point there's some scrappiness at the end wall took that shot and then uh, Sandine Sandine took that knee and we'll get into all that uh, final shot count final shot count was 41 35 in favor of the Jets and uh, again funny how like hockey man like this was this one was surprising money puck had the Leafs winning this game 65 percent of the time after 500 simulations wow. yeah and yeah, Unlucky, Laporte, just, just to go over that shit show of events that happened in the third period. So obviously it was the a Leafs shit lose, show. The Leafs lose six, three, like you throw that game out the window wall, allowing six goals on 41 shots. He wasn't sharp defensively. The Leafs weren't good either. They were, they had some wide open lanes. Like Shifley just comes right through the middle on the power play to score his goal. Like there was some defensive breakdowns, but the, the big story from this game was that third period. So just to go over the timeline of events, it starts with Pierre-Luc Dubois mugging Austin Matthews from behind. Which was Sorry, just, maybe, I didn't see the, maybe I didn't see the full footage of it. Didn't Matthews get a penalty as well? Yeah, they both got penalties, which was pathetic. Like, because I, I watch it, and I'm like, did something happen before the Matthews did, and that's why he took the penalty? Or was it just like craziness? They had to give him both a penalty. Yeah, they just gave them, them both penalties, because then they saw, then they both wrestled each other 
to the ground. But it, it was insane. Like Dubois ha- had Matthews tied up yeah, from behind, collar, had him like in in a position where Matthews like couldn't even move because like his stick was in between his arm. And then he he had like his arm wrapped around Matthew's head. It was just it was egregious that that wasn't you know just a penalty on Pierre Luc Dubois. So that happens, and then Neil Pionk goes knee on knee with Rasmus Sandin. No call on that knee on knee. Sandin leaves the game with an injury, and as of right now, recording this podcast, there hasn't been an update yet on that injury status in terms of how many games he might miss when it comes to Rasmus Sandin. And then Jason Spezza decides to get back at Neil Pionk, comes flying in like he's Ed Reed over the middle, (laughs) trying to drill a wide receiver. And that was, it was bad. And like you mentioned, Lepore, um, a report from Elliot Friedman saying that Jason Spezza is going to have an in-person hearing, meaning there is an option to suspend him more than five games. So it was a bad hit his knee to the head of Neil Pionk. So we'll see what happens with that. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois runs into Joseph Wall, who came out to play the puck. And Wall kind of like, you know, he was in between. He didn't make a quick decision. He was like, what do I do? And he tries to like swipe the puck with his hand. And then uh, Dubois runs into him and hits him in the head. So it was just like nonstop crap happening. Then Kyle Clifford fought Brendan Dillon. Wayne Simmons at one point tried to fight Logan Stanley and then Logan yeah. Stanley took a, took a cheap shot at Wayne Simmons. And then Wayne Simmons tried to fight him for a second time and the refs broke it up. It was just a complete disaster. The game got out of hand. Lapore, it was just, it was just a mess. And I, and I thought it was just terrible of the refs to let that get out of hand in the first place. But saying all that, and I tweeted this last night, this is a Leaf team that has had the reputation of being soft, especially mm. over the last five to 10 years. You could go back even further than that if you want. And to see them stick up for each other and not take any crap was actually nice to see. Yeah, 100%. Before I forget, uh, what was Wall doing on that play, though? <laughs> he was totally in no man's land. But uh, yeah, not good. But I'm with you. I mean, Spezza looks like Spezza is going to get suspended. Um, Simmons got fined, so there's a lot of negative there. But at the same time, it shows that they're they're a group, man. They care about each other. They want to win together. And like you said, they're not going to put up with bullshit. So I think on the grand scope of it all, uh, it's positive. I mean, we'll see what happens with Spets. So if we have any regret with all these events, but I'm okay with it, man. Like, like I'm totally okay with all of it. We're a team that lost to the Bruins two years in a row with just like total shit show games and the game's called how it is. I don't complain about it, like especially in the playoffs. So I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, we've solved that problem and that won't be the case in the playoffs if we play a scrappy team, but getting some signs that, uh, that this team won't put up with it like they had in the past. Yeah, it was nice to see. And you know what? I know Spets is about to get suspended, but I think back, to the qualifying round against Columbus where he actually dropped the gloves and fought Dean Kukin. And just going back to Jason Spezza, I mean, we pump his tires every podcast, it seems, but this guy's literally willing to do anything to help his team. And I know he made a poor decision going knee to the head of of Neil Pionk, but this is a guy that's not going to take any crap. 
and you're seeing it rub off on the entire team, especially Wayne Simmons. I mean, he was like a madman on Sunday night. He's going around cross-checking guys, trying to fight everyone. Kyle Clifford with a with a, a nice takedown of Brendan Dillon. They had a nice scrap. So it, it's it's a change from the past where these things would have happened to the Leafs in the past and nothing would have been done. Mm-hmm. So it was good to see them actually stand up for themselves and be a true team. So I was happy to see that Lapore. Yeah, nothing we've seen since uh, David Clarkson jumped off the bench. Oh God, to, to save Phil Gasol. Remember that that oh. ten game suspension. Oh my God! Like looking back now, like I think we were all kind of pumped up at the time. So he was like, "Look what he did for his teammate. This is why we got this guy." And then obviously our opinion changed based on his play. But looking back, like, what the hell was he doing? It was the preseason, too, wasn't it? Yeah, that was just the stupidest thing ever. And that just set the tone for his Leafs tenure. Just a disaster. But, Lepore, before we close out this podcast, because we are running up against time here, let's have a quick conversation about some of the coaching changes that just went down in the National Hockey League. So the Philadelphia Flyers have fired Alain Vigneault after two-plus seasons on the job. But the big news, or I should say maybe even bigger news coming out of Vancouver with the Canucks firing head coach Travis Green and GM Jim Benning and hiring Bruce Boudreau. So let's focus on that in particular. What's your take on that whole Canucks situation? Because that team has been a disaster the last two seasons, and now they're finally cleaning out the front office and the coaching staff. Yeah. Kind of like what I what I said, so much of what I said about the whole uh, the Bergevin firing. There's nothing that you can really say here. Um, as far as Benning goes, he's given out some brutal contracts. He's made some terrible deals. Like this was like a long time coming. Like you see, kind of, the Canucks fans were raging about this guy for years. So it's a matter of time. And like you always heard rumors that like he was liked by the ownership, or maybe even the ownership was kind of making decisions, and he was taking uh, the front of it. But either way, like that change had to be done. And as far as like Travis Green, I mean, we all love Travis Green for the way he played, uh, especially with the Buds. But I think people, he seems like a likable guy. Like you often hear people say, oh, we so-and-so is a player's coach. I see that in him big time. Like number one, because he's a former player. Number two, just by his demeanor, the way he speaks, the way he addresses the media. He's the type of guy that I think would be fun to play for and he's a guy who i think can succeed in the national hockey league but the current state of this team the change had to be made like they couldn't just keep going with travis like on the skid they're on but at the same time it's tough man so like i'll throw it back to you with this like based on based on the current lineup that the vancouver canucks have like what should their expectations be no like i think we'd all agree they should be better than they currently are but should they be fighting for a playoff spot? Should this team be a contender? Should this team, you know, be one piece away from making like a big move and like entering being a contender? I don't know. Cause I think that the Canucks are a tough one. Cause like, they're one of those ones that's like, they're so close, but they're so far. Right. So if someone asked me that question, like what are the expectations of the Canucks and even compared to other teams? Like if you gave me the list, I think most of the teams would be pretty easy to point to like hey, based on this lineup, based on the culture there, this is what this team is trying to achieve. Vancouver, though, I don't know, man. Like, so for the next guy coming in, well, we know it's Boudreaux. So for Boudreaux coming in, like, I don't know what the expectations are 
for him in terms of results. I think this team should absolutely be fighting for a playoff spot. And I even go back to last season, just based on their roster and the talent on this roster. Now you could, you could make the argument that there's some stupid contracts on this team, obviously, and it's not a perfectly constructed team by any means. Like you look at the best teams in the league and how they allocate their salary cap. I don't think the Canucks are close to any of those teams, but just looking at the talent on this roster, like, are you kidding me? You go down the list here. Pedersen, JT Miller, Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes, Connor Garland, who's actually having a really solid season. This team should be better than it is. This team, over the last two seasons, Lapore, there's only four teams with a worse record over the last two seasons in terms of points percentage. Seattle, wow. who's an expansion team this year, Arizona, Ottawa, and Buffalo. And then the Canucks are the fifth worst team over the last two seasons. There's no excuse. This team has yeah, too like much to that talent. point. To that point, like you, like you just did, you just said talent. Comparing them to those teams you listed, like it's not even close. Like Vancouver's the best team. Like they have names. Like we know their players. And no, you're totally right. It's insane. And and one guy I look to in particular, I know he's taken a lot of heat in the Vancouver market is Elias Pettersson. Mm. I mean, there is no excuse for how poorly he's played. He's played Lapore. He has four points at even strength. Ouch. Four points. He has eight power play points. Ouch. Like that's just, that's just inexcusable. And I know center too. Not good. It got to the point where Travis green was playing this guy, you know, over the last couple of weeks, he's playing him like 13, 14 minutes a night. He took him off the top power play unit. Like it was getting ugly, but when you're signing this guy in the off season, you know, he's getting the same bridge contract as all these other elite players, the three year, seven and a half million dollar range, the same thing Matthew Kachuk got the same thing. Braden point got, you know, he's, he was viewed going back a couple of seasons ago as one of the best young centermen in the game. He was on a superstar trajectory. Elias Patterson. Like they were like, Oh my God, we stole this guy in the draft. Yeah. I think he went what fifth overall. Oh yeah, that that was the take. Like he should have went first overall. This guy's gonna win rookie of the year. All this, yeah, yeah. And it was quick too. It was like to see him fall off the cliff that he's fallen off of. I think a lot of it. And and again, I don't want to put it all on Elias Pettersson, but when your number one center, when your best player is playing this poorly, it's going to be tough sledding. And obviously, this team just across the board when it comes to scoring goals, keeping the puck out of their net. It hasn't been pretty, and I'm hoping that bringing in Bruce Boudreau, a coach who's known to get a lot out of his players, specifically offensively. Like, I went back and I looked before at where his teams have ranked offensively. It's pretty damn good. Like, I, I just went back through his, you know, coaching Washington, Anaheim, and even Minnesota. You look at what Bruce Boudreau has done offensively. His teams have ranked third, first, eighth, first, second, twice 11th in the league offensively. So Mm. he's a guy that can come in there right away and he can get this team playing more aggressively and scoring goals. Now, I don't know how that's going to translate on the defensive side of the puck, Yeah, but I think Bruce Boudreau can, can help turn things around. And obviously they have to bring in a new general manager and sort out the entire front office, but I'm hoping that these changes actually result in some, in a bounce back performance from the Canucks the rest of the season. Yeah. Come on, Vancouver, Vancouver in the West, man. Calgary's doing well. Edmonton's doing well. If we had Vancouver over there doing well, I mean, I guess the jets do the jets are a good team. 
it'd be great. You guys just lagging behind, man. Come on, Vancouver. We want to see it. Yeah, it would be nice to see the Canucks get back to the play that we saw a couple of years ago in the bubble where they made it to the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But this team, they're just they're just so much better, I think, at least than their record indicates. And I know they say you are what your record is, but I just can't help but think what this team could actually be if they can get the most out of the talent on this roster. So before any any final takes before we wrap up episode 44. No, just hopefully the Leafs can uh, get back to where they were before these uh, last two games. Here we are, spoiled Leaf fans. Uh, a shootout loss in Minnesota after a big comeback and uh, losing in Winnipeg after a back-to-back. And we're already like just a little shaky. But uh, hopefully going into uh, the next show we do, we can talk about another winning streak. Yeah, the Leafs are going to have a nice opportunity to get Things back on track. They got three straight games at home coming up this week. Tuesday against the Blue Jackets. Thursday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then Saturday against the Chicago Blackhawks. So based on the way the Leafs have been trending, how they've been playing, you would hope that they'd win two out of those three games. So we'll see how that goes. But it should be a nice opportunity for the Leafs back on home ice to get things rolling once again. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for episode 44 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. Once again, if you're a new listener, it would be a big-time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we would appreciate it so, so much if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>